Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into the latest edition of the Arrowhead Pride Draft Talk podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, where all we do on this show is talk draft. We're talking mock drafts. We're talking draft prospects. We're talking whatever it is that we want to talk about with the draft. As always, it is Ron Cop Jr., lead analyst at Arrowhead Pride, here with you today. And today, I'm bringing on a familiar guest to you that listen to the AP Podcast Network. It's Talon Graff. He joins me and Brian Stewart every week on the AP Draft Room Podcast on Sundays. But I brought him on for this show because, you know, we just can't get enough draft. And Talon's been doing great work for us, uh, getting getting us ready for the draft. He had a David Ajabo article out this week. But Talon, tonight, how are you feeling, my friend? Feeling good, dude. Uh, kind of a quiet week in, in Chiefs Kingdom, but that's that's okay. <laughs> uh, lost out on Arden Key, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. So uh, moving forward, looking forward to the draft. It's almost here just a few weeks, really. Yeah, four weeks from today, actually, when we're recording, which actually does kind of scare me a little bit. Uh, it, it, you know, free agency all you know took a big chunk out of that that time. Um, you know, it kind of took a lot of our uh, our attention span for a second. But you're right; it is kind of weird. All of a sudden, it's a slow week in Chiefs Kingdom because it was not slow for a few weeks. Uh, yeah, uh, no Tyree Kill trade news. You're right though; that Arden Key stuff. I, I that was one storyline I hadn't thought to to mention. I'm glad you brought that up. I would have definitely liked to see him in KC for sure. And and the deal wasn't very much or anything. Um, I don't know. Are you, are you kind of salty about that? What, what were your thoughts on not getting him? Yeah. Um, that, that one kind of, I haven't, yeah. Put me, put me more over the edge with some of these others for some reason. I don't know if it's just the fact that it's like, just been compounding and this was just like, what are we doing? What's happening? Why, is, why, <laughs> well, you know, how are we not getting better at the, at the defensive end position? But um, it is what it is. And we just gotta, you know, you gotta get what you can get and, you know, it's it's a new day tomorrow. So watch yeah. out on him and another door will open up. No, you're right, though. It, 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 it would be different if it was just like another position or if it's just like a player we all kind of like. But you're right. Like, what is going on? The edge position still has really not been addressed at all this free agency, um, except if you count restructuring Frank Clark and keeping him around. Um, yeah, it's been weird. But that's the thing about the draft is uh, there there's a, a few edge prospects that we will probably be talking about that they could be picking. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do today on the show is just talk all draft. Uh, probably won't be as long a show as usual, but me and Tom are just going to go back and forth on the Chiefs' first four rounds of picks, eight picks in total. Now that they uh, the Tyree kill trade has given them the draft capital they have, uh, they have picks in the in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round, two each. And yeah, what we're going to do, we, we have both uh, run some simulations, have both kind of thought through our processes on how we want to draft for the Chiefs. We're both Brett Veach. We're Brett Veach clones right now, um, getting into his head, seeing exactly how he would do. But that's the thing. We are Brett Veach. I, I don't want this to be necessarily a prediction, a prediction show on what they would do. You know, let's, let's, let's talk about what we would like to see the Chiefs do or what we would do, uh, you know, in their position at each pick, so... I don't know, Talon, how do you feel about that? Are you ready to be Brett Veach? I am. I am ready to be Brett, Brett Veach. I, 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 as long as the paycheck came with it, that, that's, uh, that'd that be Perfect the nice world, part right? about it. Now, uh, Pete doesn't treat us that well. Uh, not, no, sir. 
Uh, no, shout out the boss, man. But uh, no, let's put on our beach caps. We are in Brett Beach mode. We are doing, you know, that's the thing. GMs do this kind of stuff where they run these simulated mock drafts because they really need to see, they really need to know who could fall there, what the situations could be. And that's exactly what's going to happen tonight. And to start it off, we're going to go ahead and get into it. So we, we both ran separate mock drafts. So our, the boards could fall different ways. We're going to kind of talk through maybe, especially with these first picks, kind of talk through how the board fell, how it affected our mindset. But how about, look, let's start with this first town. And I'll throw it to you here. Before the draft even started, before the first pick was even made, what were you kind of thinking or what positions did you kind of want to see uh, end up at 29 and 30? What positions are you really hammering home uh, you want it to be the first picks in the draft this year? Man, I think you got to think defensive end. If, if there's an edge rusher that is that is worthy of a first-round pick or even a Jabo if he falls, um, but edge rusher or wide receiver, I think you could find a playmaker there at each position. Um, for me personally, I was really hoping that I would find a defensive end at 29. Um, unfortunately, I didn't. Um, but what I did find was a defender from Michigan. I was hoping David Ajabo was going to fall, but he, he he was snatched up at 25 by Buffalo, um, unfortunately. So I, I took Daxton Hill. And and what I the reasoning for that was I, I, I think Hill is still that Swiss Army Knife kind of guy where he can be played everywhere. Uh, in the secondary, I think he could play a full-time corner if you really got in the, into a situation where you needed a cornerback. Put him there, he'll he'll be just fine. Um, but for the Chiefs' purposes, bring him in. You got Thornhill and Reed as your two guys in the back end. Um, I think Hill could probably push for for time in this, as a slot defender. Um, I do think he would push Juan Thornhill for time as a as a full-time starting safety. And then you know we saw Thornhill be benched before and um, kind of seem to be and not in the greatest graces of the coaching staff. So if you get a guy like Daxton Hill and, and Juan Thornhill decides to hit free agency later, um, you know, after 2022, then you have Daxton Hill and Justin Reed as your two starting safeties. And I think that's a pretty good pairing. I agree. I definitely agree. I want, I want to hear though, maybe what were some of the edge rushers or just some of the uh, receivers on the board that you were considering maybe, um, but ultimately Daxton Hill was the better pick then or, or I just kind of want to hear some of the names that you are considering uh, Dax and Hill over uh, at those positions that you talked about uh, off the bat. Yeah. So the two that were really uh, sitting there for edge rusher was Boyd Moffey and Arnold Ebiketti. Um And and really for those two, I just don't think either one is a round one grade. I like them both, but I think those are guys that you take in the second round. If, if, if you think you want to trade up from 50 into that early 30 range, that's an option for those guys. I don't think they're a true option for 29 or 30. Um, and then wide receiver, there was Jahan Dotson sitting there. I thought about him. Um, uh, Kyer Elam went at 26. I know he's kind of been tossed around. I, that's another guy that I don't think I would feel comfortable with in the first round. I think that would be Ooh. another second round possibility. Um, first round is a little too rich for my taste for Kyer Elam. Um, but weighing all the options and what these guys brought to the table, I, I felt more comfortable that Daxon Hill was going to be um, not only 2021 or 2022 impact, but really uh, for, for an entire career. Yeah. No, that's the thing. When and, and and I've talked about in my Lewis Scene article, but we talk about safety in the short term sometimes, like, oh, hey, they patched it up. They got Dion Bush. They, you know, Juan Thornhill's still here. Well, if you look in the future, uh Justin Rude's the only safety under contract after this season. So it is definitely still a position and we know they value it. We know that Spagnolo defense loves to have good safety play. And so I do think it's a strong possibility we we see them take a safety that high. You went there, Mr. Brett Veach. Um, but I, I, on my end here, 
I got the lucky side of it where you were trying to go. David Ojabo did fall to me. And 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 I will say in reality, it does seem like this is it, it's gonna happen where Ojabo falls, at least in the range, right? Uh, I guess he fell in that range to you. You know, 25 is still within the range where they could trade up and get him realistically if they really wanted to. But man, I really like the thought of getting David Ojabo if you're the Chiefs. First of all, in this Patrick Mahomes world, you are never going to be in a position to pick this talented level of edge rusher, you know, when he's healthy or whatever, because you're just never going to be that high in the draft. Guys like this do not fall to you at the bottom of the first round unless they have a injury at their pro day, which sucks. And it is going to obviously limit his, you know, impact on the team right away. But you got, but again, going back to just the talent he has, you're just not finding guys like that. The chiefs have not invested in the defensive line with, high round talent in a while last time they did it was breland speaks and we know how that turned out but the time before that it was chris jones and we know how that turned out so it's just it's one of those things where i i, I it makes too much sense to me i'm really glad he fell here because i think it's a no-brainer um for the chiefs you know we, we this offseason they're thinking a lot about the long term instead of the short term i think this is a great way to continue to to do that theme um but let me go to 30 real quick and then i'll throw it back to you to get your pick at 30 because we got back-to-back picks here and so we, you talk about receiver. I'm in the same boat, man. I, I think receiver is a really strong possibility um, in the first round. I had an interesting dilemma, man. I, I uh, There was a run at receivers right before me, which I, I was a little salty with. I, I do say, you know, Jahan Dotson and Chris Olave would have been strong considerations for me. Um, both guys that, that really fit that Z type, um, that really give them that speed element, that separation element. Um, that they may not have in their receivers right now. They have a lot of bigger guys right now. You know, Juju MBS are guys that, you know, MBS has speed, obviously. But anyway, those guys are not on the board. They were taken right before my pick. And this is, a, and, and oh, I should say, the one guy that was on the board that might be surprising, but we might have to get used to it, is Traylon Burks, a receiver from Arkansas. It does seem like he's he's kind of slipping a little bit on draft boards and mock drafts. Um, you know, I I like the player. I I. I do think he could be worth the first round pick, especially at this point, but I did not go him. I instead went with Sky Moore, the receiver from Western Michigan over Traylon Burks at pick 30. You know, Sky Moore is a guy that, you know, obviously is a, a, a smaller name, not as, as, as big time a name, but he's rising up draft boards for a reason, man. He is electric. He's explosive for his size. He's a guy that's really going to, you know, he can create separation, like I said. And yeah, I, I I like the element of getting a guy like that rather than maybe a bigger body guy again. It kind of just goes along with, you know, what MVS is, what Juju Smith-Schuster is. I want a guy that might might be a little better at creating separation, that long speed, that deep speed, and in the short area too. So, all that to say, I went Ojabo and Sky Moore with my twenty-nine and thirty. Any reactions to those? First of all, talent, and also I want you to get into who you went with pick at pick thirty. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on Traylon Burks uh, off the bat because yeah. he was on the board for me as well. He ended up going 34 to the Lions. Um, but I think where value in like Drake London or Traylon Burks falls uh, for the Chiefs is, is if Tyreek Hill was still in house. I think you bring a guy like that in, parry him with a Tyreek Hill, it's a different ball game. But when you bring him in with the, with the wide receiver room that's in house now without Tyreek Hill, it just doesn't fit, doesn't make sense. And, and to me, it's not as impactful as it would have been. Um, so I did go receiver. I, I, I do like Jahan Dawson, and I will. And I mentioned it at pick 29. He was on the board. Um, but I did go with a different receiver, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Ah. 
a little bit more athletic, um, a little bit less proven than Dotson. Dotson obviously played in the Big Ten um, against elite type of defenses. Christian Watson is, you know, FCS, North Dakota State powerhouse nonetheless. But, um, you know, this guy tested so well at the Combine and what he has on film uh, with North Dakota State, he's not, you know, facing tons of press coverage from these super elite athletes. Um, he, he's not running these versatile route trees. He's not, you know, um, he's just a much better athlete than the guys across the field from him. And he was able to, to expose that. Um, but then he, you know, shows up at the combine. He's putting up these great numbers, right? So we, if he could put that together and get molded by an NFL coaching staff, and, and I think he has the ability to run a more versatile route tree um, than what he's shown. So I, for me, give me Christian Watson and Daxon Hill, two very good athletes, one on either side of the ball. Um, that you can really create a superstar with. Yeah, the thing with Watson is it does seem like it's like how does that combination of athleticism and size like really truly bust? I mean, yeah, could it could it not turn into wide receiver one? Of course, I mean that's always a possibility. But you know, I, I one thing I I didn't want to like I don't want to like uh, I don't know I, this shouldn't be a bad comparison, but like I, I was watching him and it kind of popped in my head like you know his floor could be like a Martavis Bryant where, yeah, he might, like, you know, he could just be a tall, you know, really tall, really speedy vertical threat that, you know, is a big play, a big play threat, and, a, and obviously an important contributor to a good offense. Um, but I, I think he will be more than that, but it's just it just occurred to me, like, I, you know, it, it's just hard for that combination of size and speed to fail, and if he does, it'll still probably be a contributing role. So Christian Watson is definitely an exciting name. He didn't follow to me. I definitely would have considered him a little stronger. I'm going to go through a few guys that I passed up on at 29 and 30. You might be mad at me, Talon. I, Daxon Hill was there. You know, Lewisine was there too. Like I, 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 I did have to struggle with that a little bit because I really like, I really like that first round safety or, you know, this, this top of the second round, I should say, cause it does seem like that's where they're going more that top of the second round safety class. I, I really do like them, but at the same time, there's some safeties later. So I waited on them. You know, I mentioned I pass on Burks. Um, you know, uh, Jaquan Brisker is another one in that, in that mention, but we're at pick 50 now we're at pick 50. I'll let you go first this time, but it, was there anybody between pick 50 and, and 33 that, uh, were, were noticeable that you passed up or that, uh, you know, maybe you're surprised that fell all the way to 50. Um, no, um, <laughs> nobody really fell to 50 <laughs> that I was hoping for. Um, Tragic. So I was kind of put, yeah, right. I was kind of put in a tough spot. Uh, Sky Moore was still sitting there, but with Christian Watson, um, in house, I'm not. I'm not going to go back to back wide receiver that quickly. Um, Fair. I think there are other positions to touch on there. But so, I had to reach. Um, and 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 I'll admit this is a reach. Uh, I I think 50 is a very rich spot for for Josh Pascal, and, but that's who I took. So yeah, so definitely a reach for Pascal at 50. But he's a guy that can provide a very. He's a power rusher. He's not a very. He's not a speed rusher. He's not a guy that's going to bend around the edge. Um, but he's very good at rushing from the interior in which he was moved at, at Kentucky, um, but very strong, a lot of functional strength. Um, and he has a little bit of twitch to him and a lot of, a, a little bit of juice to where you don't really expect it from a guy of his size. Um, so for me with, with just the way the board fell, I had to take a position of need for me. Josh Pascal fills the need. And, and I did address something a little bit later on that might, you know, make, make a little bit of sense with this tech. Yeah, that's the thing with Edge, man. You really don't feel comfortable with how the Chiefs are right now going much past pick 50 or pick 62 without addressing it. Um, it would almost be, it almost be, uh, you know, you know, it is dangerous to do that with, with how the roster is shaped up right now. They really need to get 
some sort of bodies in there. So yeah, in, in your scenario where you went safety receiver first round, yeah, grab an edge. You know, I I do think Pascal's a name that doesn't get thrown a lot around a lot, but I think it's because he's not. He might not be the most exciting player, but that's not a bad thing. I, he, he he played in the SEC, held up for a reason. Super solid guy. You know, he just has a kind of a unique body type. You know, he's not the longest, lengthiest dude, but he's definitely solid, definitely powerful. You know, I, I like the thought of him in the Steve Spagnuolo defense for sure. But with me for pick 50, you know, uh, like some of the safeties could have fell. You know, Brisker was a few picks away from me. George Pickens, a wide receiver from Georgia, was the pick before me. That would have been an interesting double up getting George Pickens and Sky Moore um, right off the bat. They definitely complement each other's skill sets. But, you know, I went ahead and went with Jalen Petrie, the safety from Baylor. I like the thought of, you know, how he was utilized at Baylor, those kind of skills being used in the Chiefs defense right away, right? Uh, I think he could be a guy you insert immediately into the dime defense and he can make some plays for you, whether it's as a blitzer, just maybe in short coverage areas, maybe just, you know, easier man coverage roles obviously not putting him on on an island against receivers or anything but i think he could he could be a playmaker for you right away and then maybe he develops into a, a strong safety type um you know that's uh, he really played close to the line of scrimmage he's really more of a linebacker in college than he was a safety but he's obviously safety build and so that's why he's going to be a safety in the league but yeah he's, he's a guy that you know you hear sometimes maybe at, at pick 30 uh you know i think this was more realistic uh pick what place for him to go Talent, any reaction to Jalen Petrie? How do you feel about him being in a Chiefs uniform? Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Um, it's a good value pick at 50. In mine, he went to 43. He actually went above Brisker, oh. who went 47. Um, so getting some love. But, yeah, dude, uh, safety is definitely – obviously, I talked about it with Hill. Um, I like Petrie. I like him a lot. I think he's a very good uh, – you know, he does offer some versatility. But, yeah, definitely very effective around line of scrimmage. <laughs> Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pick 50, third pick in the draft for the Chiefs. We're moving on. Uh, looking looking through the next few picks that go by. Cameron Thomas, the edge rusher you mentioned earlier, he goes at 56 with, in my draft. John Mechie, the third, goes. You know, he's a, he's a tempting player in the second round. You know, some other guys. Quay Walker, the Georgia linebacker, he'd be interesting. Although, man, that's the thing. You know, as interesting as it is to go linebacker, uh, you know, in the second round again, Going linebacker three, you know, three years in a row in the second round would be, would be, would be pretty, uh, you know, unprecedented uh, for the Chiefs. But you never know. Who did you go with for pick sixty-two? Because actually, now that I think about it, you may have went to the position I was just talking about. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, I went unprecedented. Um, I went Troy Anderson with sixty-two. Boom. Uh, he, he just offers so much versatility and athleticism, and 
the edge rusher of uh, Houston, right? Sam, not Sam Houston. Uh, You're talking about the guy we top 30 visited? Yeah. Last name's Houston. I forget his first name. but Yeah, James, um, James Houston the fourth. James Houston. Thank you. Um, so, I, you know, talking about that Sam linebacker that can offer a, a pass rush, dude, Troy Anderson, he's never, you know, really done it. He's just – but he's played running back. He's played linebacker. He, I think he played a little bit of quarterback in high school. So – He's got the size for it, about 6'3", 6'4", 230, 240. Um, I think this is a guy that you could bring in and play not just a, a, a you know a, a run-stopping Sam, but he can come off the edge. He could probably even play Will if, if Gay gets hurt or Bolton goes down and you play Mike. I think this is a guy that you could plug in at each position and offers just about anything you want um, at each position. Yeah, I definitely think he could, he could be a guy in the same kind of sense as Petrie as someone that – you know, even if he doesn't have a, a, you know, traditional starting role right away, maybe he's used in some, some packages just as a, as a habit creator, you know, someone who's going to create chaos as a blitzer or just, you know, I, I could see Anderson being able to, you know, play short zones and, and kind of being a spy almost too at times if they ever want to do that. Um, yeah. I, I like the idea of him and his development. I mean, he's a guy that some people like pretty high just because of his, his ceiling. Obviously he hasn't played linebacker too long. As you mentioned, he used to be, quarterback running back all those things so he is a very interesting name from montana state but i had a i I had a pretty interesting dilemma here uh someone that i don't usually expect to be here at 62 in real life but you know with how the board fell i took edge rusher already with ojabo although you know you may argue you need some more immediate uh impact at edge rusher i took safety with jalen petrie i took receiver i could have doubled up on receiver there you know there were some names available when you're talking about a guy like David Bell from Purdue, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, it's interesting. Calvin Austin, the third from Memphis. Now that Tyreek's gone, I do think they could value him a lot more as a, as a speed threat. But you know what? I ended up going with Travis Jones, the defensive tackle from UConn, a guy that, you know, wasn't a huge name, obviously, uh, before this last season in the Senior Bowl. Now is looked at as one of the premier defensive tackles in this class, a guy that, I feel like is is a pretty safe pick to come in and just at the at the minimum be be a run stuffer, you know, be a be that, you know, that that double team, you know, uh, uh sucking up defensive tackle one tech type. But, you know, I do think he has the ability to also give you some pass rush juice, you know, be able to to penetrate the pocket, play on all three downs at his size. And he's a massive human being, man. So, I really like the thought of of getting a little more just just more talent on the defensive line whether that's edge or defensive tackle. And I went interior defensive line here with Travis Jones. So that rounds out our second round. Um, any, any thoughts on Travis Jones being a, being a chief talent or just going defensive tackle very early? I know there's, we've talked about in the chat, like maybe like a guy like Perry on Winfrey early. How are you feeling about going maybe defensive tackle uh, pretty early like that? Yeah, I like that. I'm a, I'm a big advocate for that. Um, I like the idea of trading him for Devonte Wyatt. But man, Travis Jones is 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 a great pick, and man, I, the way my board fell, I'm just so upset. He went 38, like like he went so early in my board. I had no chance of ever getting him. Um, he definitely would have been like he was who I was eyeing at 50. Like that's who I wanted, but he didn't even last until 40. Um, so yeah, man, defensive tackle is definitely a need. And in the way my board fell, I, I keep looking for him, but every time <laughs> I pick, they're all gone. Um, so so yeah, it, it's getting tough. 
Yeah, it, it's one of those. It was one of those positions I was in for sure, where you, you want to go best player available, BPA. Um, even though defensive tackle is a position they they could stock up on young talent with, you don't you don't pass up on a Travis Jones type of talent at sixty two. You know, just a few picks from the third round. I mean, that is pretty absurd. I think he's proven himself to be a little you know be valued higher than that, and I'm sure he will go higher than that. But that's what mock drafts are all about. That's the fun of them. We're in the third round now. Looking through the third round, there you know there goes Matt Corral finally from the quarterback from Ole Miss. A guy like Calvin Austin goes. Uh, you know, Logan Hall, the edge slash defense tackle from Houston goes. Drake Jackson goes, the USC edge rusher. And we're now we're all the way to pick ninety four for the Chiefs. Talon, was there anyone you're looking through at the board that went before ninety four that you were kind of hoping would get to you? Any uh, surprising names? And then who did you end up with that 94? So, yeah. So, Mechie went 79. Um, I was kind of hoping oh, wow. maybe he'd still – yeah, I, he lasted a while. Um, yeah. So, I, when I saw him on the board, I kind of thought, hey, he might still be there. Um, but, no, he went 79. Um, and then Sean Ryan's another name. Uh, he went yes. 84. That if he would have been on the board, I would have thought long and hard about. Um, Tariq Wollins, another one, cornerback, uh, the, the, the small school, Texas San Antonio cornerback, the long athletic type, went 88. Um, oh, wow. But for me, uh, I went Sam Williams, the edge rusher out of Ole Miss yeah. um, at 94. And I know he's got some off the field, you know, that that's always going to be with him. Uh, rather, you know, who knows, you know, the the truth or whatever. But um, the fact that if, if the Chiefs do take him, it's obviously going to be a due diligence sort of thing. They've done their homework on him. They know the background way more than we ever will. Um but in, for this instance, yeah, Sam Williams. And I know I took Josh Pascal earlier. Different types of defensive ends. And Sam Williams offers much more ver, uh, in a way of the speed rush, the, the, the lean, the, the lean, the bendy, uh, the guy that can, with the burst, that can beat tackles off the edge and around the corner and really just close, close on quarterbacks before they get a chance to get rid of the ball. Um, and I think with Williams and Pascal, you have two really good young defensive ends that you can bring up together. And the fact that they offer two very different skill sets is, is just gravy. And uh, yeah, so the edge rushing position has definitely been addressed now in, in, in my mock draft. Yeah, and I and I naturally do the same thing that you just did, where I, whenever I go through these mock drafts and I find myself doubling up on the edge position, I feel like I usually go, all right, let's go with maybe a, a more of a speed type, more of a pass rush juice type. And then let's make sure we get more of a, a, a abled body, just a, a strong physical body can hold up against the run, can hold an edge, can take on that, that split zone block, that kick out block. Yeah. So I, I, I tend to do the same thing and I think you did it perfectly here. I mean, you know, I, I do think Pascal, like we kind of mentioned earlier, I feel like people are, he's, he's a name that people maybe not know as much or maybe just, but it's because of how he plays, you know, he, you're going to hear the, you're going to hear the guy's names like a Sam Williams who has the juice and, you're right. If he didn't have these off-field issues, he probably would go a lot higher than he will. He's going to be a guy you see a bunch of times mocked to the Chiefs just because it, it it seems ridiculous to get that talent that late. But when you watch him, he does seem like one of the top edges in this class. Um, you know, maybe a Justin Houston type of situation. And the Chiefs got lucky there where, uh, you know, off-field issues forced Justin Houston to go late in the draft, and he turns into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So, It'll be interesting. I really like the pick of Sam Williams, though. And if he would have fell to me, I definitely would have pulled the trigger as well. It looks like he went a little earlier here, um, somewhere in the top of the third. I know he I know he wasn't on the board, but at 94, we've addressed edge rusher. We've addressed defense, you know, uh, defensive line actually a couple times. But we have not addressed the cornerback position. 
in one guy, I think this might be his sweet spot. It actually, you know, maybe even the fourth round uh, could be a little, make a little more sense, but this is going to be one of my guys in the draft process, specifically for the Chiefs, specifically for how the Chiefs play defense. Martin Emerson, the cornerback from Mississippi State, I think his size, his his length, and then he also has athleticism on top of that. I do think he can, he's not the fastest guy. He's not, he's not. I think like a guy like Kyer Elam actually, you know, he really has some some juice as an athletic athletic guy with his size. I I I, I like Kyer Elam, um, but there's a reason he's going a lot higher than Emerson. I don't think Emerson as is, is as great of an athlete, but he does seem to hold up well against tough matchups. You watch the Bama game; um, he was holding his own. He was keeping up with vertical routes with a guy like Jameis Williams and Mechie. Um, He's just a gamer, I think. I, from what I've seen, I, I really like what he we could, he can do. And like I said, he has that length. The Chiefs all, have always, uh, you know, um, really, it's almost a prerequisite to play a cornerback for them is to have that length, have that physical mindset. And it does seem like Emerson has it. So Chiefs get cornerback here with their first pick of the third round, but they got a second one. And it's at 103. Talon, who did you go with at 103? So this is where I took a corner. Um, I went Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. Boom. Um, and this is a physical dude. He loves to lay a hit on people. Uh, you know, and and I think this is a guy that when you right off the bat is going to be a special teams contributor. He looks like a, a perfect gunner for a punt team. Um, the guy that's going to fly down on the field and just track the ball care or the the punt or kicker turner. Um, and he has such good closing speed that it's, it's hard to it's hard to really evade the guy when he's when he's got uh, his beat on you so um this is a guy that i just i just love the physicality and i, I know c spagnola loves physical corners um and this is a guy that has good length he has good good height uh, and, and he's going to come in and really compete i don't think he's a guy that you you need to rely on to shut down the outside but just so you can you can kind of fly around and be that physical guy and and, and really the special teams value is where i i see him uh, most up from day one i love it i love it cam taylor Britt. you talk about the physicality that's the thing. You know, I mentioned how length and, and kind of that build is a prerequisite. Well, it, it's also just being able to be a willing tackler. You know, we actually be a, you know, being a plus against the run, you know, against outside runs, you know, being able to hold your own on, on lead blocks as a corner. I definitely think uh, both of our guys uh, could fit that category. So like that cornerback position at 103, but I went and doubled up at receiver here. This is where I picked Alec Pierce, the wide receiver from Cincinnati. You know, he's a little bit different of a receiver from Sky Moore. He'd actually fit more of the, you know, what what MBS maybe gives you a little bit. Uh, maybe not the speed threat necessarily, but maybe just a, you know, he, he's a contested catch guy. Can definitely go up and make a play. But I do think Pierce gives you a little more than you'd think in terms of, you know, a change of direction, uh, you know, quick in space. I, I do think he can give you a little more than, than you'd think. And he's just going to be a solid receiver in my opinion. I think he, he's a guy that could be a wide receiver three for a really good offense and, and really hold his own. And, and I like the, I like the thought of taking a swing on him in late in the third round, but on to the fourth round we go, we're wrapping it up here, looking at some fourth round prospects. The chiefs might be thinking about um, Talon pick one twenty one, middle of the fourth round. You got, you got a name that you really like in that spot. Yeah. I went with Max Mitchell, uh, the tackle. Oh yes. Um, so, and I, you know, obviously with the, the moves that, the AFC West teams have made, you know, bringing in uh, Khalil Mack now again uh, and, uh, and uh, Chandler Jones and, and guys like that. Um, you know, yeah. Andrew returned and they have Lucas Nyang who's dealt with injuries and and they signed John Christian. Um, 
But man, I am under the a very strong belief that every draft you got to take someone on the offensive line and someone on the defensive line. Um, it's just the trenches are too important, and, and each year it gives you a young, fresh body on a on a four year rookie contract. And right here, I think is a perfect spot for Max Mitchell to come in. And in all reality, this is a guy that's going to push those three I mentioned earlier for that starting job. Um, and if he's the best guy for the job, don't think that Andy Reid's not going to you know put him in there, and Andy Heck's not going to put him in there because they're going to play the the best five, whoever that is, uh, regardless. So, yeah, I love the value of Max Mitchell at 121. And, and if you get a guy in the fourth round on the offensive line that that you're thinking about could potentially be a starter, dude, why not? Yeah, and, and I like the thought of you always take offensive line in the draft. That's the thing, though. You know, this this team needs offensive tackles. Uh, you know, it needs depth everywhere, right? They, they could use depth at every position, but – you can find guards and centers. I mean, Andy Reid's proven it over and over again, which is almost why it was crazy for him to pay Joe Tooney what he did. But he, he finds guards and centers uh, late in the drafts or undrafted free agents. It's not as easy to find tackles in that range, man. You got to draft tackles. You got to draft them when you know within the first few rounds. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Max Mitchell's a guy that kind of fits that category of a you know a early to mid round offensive tackle that that isn't just a swing uh swing in the dark it is he is someone that can that can legitimately compete i agree with you i i don't think that's necessarily a you know a, it's i don't want to say that's like a a a uh you know something against the guys that they have in house i think that just kind of tells you kind of where the level of of right tackle is i don't think we should be looking at anybody in house right now at right tackle as like a for sure starter or better than anybody they could draft um, I, I do think a rookie like Max Mitchell could definitely come in and push them. So I love that pick. I love the value at 121 for me. I went Jesse Lukita, the linebacker from Penn State. He is an interesting player because he actually kind of was forced to play edge rusher last year for Penn State. Um, I, you know, I, I heard about. I can't exactly remember the reason why. I think it was just injury related. And he was, you know, he's he's kind of a bigger linebacker, so obviously he was able to translate there. But that's the thing. He, he showed some juice, and so. He obviously still wants to be a linebacker at the NFL level. It's what he's always played. It's kind of maybe what he's better at. But he might have that little bit of juice where he could maybe be that that uh, that Sam, that rush Sam where we, we've kind of talked about it. Um, it doesn't ever seem to stick uh, with the Chiefs. They, they never seem to get a, a true rush Sam where he can really give you true uh, pass rush juice while also you know simultaneously being a linebacker that can, in theory, drop in coverage and, and you know be off ball. But... I think Lukita has a chance to do so, and if not, you're just get, you're just taking a swing at a guy that has some some juice off the edge, even if he's not the the you know the physical profile that you true you usually ask for in a Spags defense. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Talon pick one thirty five, last pick of this draft we're doing here. Got to you got to go big or go home here. Uh, who did you go with at pick one thirty five to finish us out? So I actually doubled up on receiver as well. Um, and in this case, I went Bo Melton, uh, the Rutgers receiver. Yeah. Uh, Blaze, he ran a low 4 three forty. Um, I mean, let's let's face it, he probably wouldn't use the best at Rutgers. He didn't play with the best at Rutgers. Um, just just not a you know highly tatted program. But this is a guy that you bring in, and dude, he's got elite tools. But I wouldn't say he has elite tool blocks. Um, so put him in special situations that you know he's going to be productive and you know he's going to be successful. Uh, get him in a rhythm, get him going, and, and once you get that juice flowing, and also I think this is a guy that you put, you know, as a punt kicker turner, he can, you know, see if it works out there. And, um, you know, he he just offers that that sort of 
Swiss Army knife on offense that Andy Reid loves to utilize so much. Yeah, you know, I think that'd be he'd be someone that they would I would think would kind of maybe be a hey McColl's last year, last contract year. If McColl really doesn't take a step forward as a receiver, here comes Bo Melton next year and kind of that McColl role. I totally see that. I was honestly looking for a, a tweet because I because you mentioned he didn't have a lot of help at Rutgers. There was one tweet I saw. Oh, here we go. It's from Charles Goldman, friend of the program, obviously a great follow in Chiefs Kingdom. Fun fact, Bo Melton never had a QB who threw for more than nine touchdown passes in a single season in his five-year career at Rutgers. More than nine, Talon. Nine touchdowns. I threw 16 my senior year of high school. Come on, guys. We only play nine games. Or we only play eight games, I think. Actually, actually nine games. I lied. But anyway, that's, Bo Melton is definitely a guy that has been underutilized. And I would say he wouldn't have that same problem in Kansas City. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes would would uh, raise that uh, raise that floor a little bit in terms of his quarterback play. But here we go. Pretty, pretty sure Mahomes had nine in November, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he had. Yeah, I, you're right actually, because he had six in week two, and I actually I want to say he had four in week one, his first year in the league. So yeah, I think he had ten in two weeks. So yeah, he's he's uh he's stepping up a little bit in the quarterback game. Uh, if he's picked by the Chiefs, uh, Bo Melton, but. Yeah, I like the double up on receiver though. Um, glad you did it in the first four rounds. I think I think that's a smart way to go. I don't think they should. There's not really a point in picking receiver later in the fourth round if you, unless you're just, unless he's just a special teams only guy, which isn't really worth a draft pick in my opinion. But all that to say, 135 here, my last pick of this mock draft. I went to the edge position. So this is. If if you count Lukita, I mean, I've 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 really given them some options uh, around the line of scrimmage. So. Here I went Alex Wright, the edge rusher from University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. First of all, the thing with Alex Wright is he's just a monster human being, one of the bigger uh, guys in this class in terms of just length and size, uh, height. Obviously, that fits well with what the Chiefs have done at defensive end, obviously. Definitely has all that. Yeah, he's not going to be the juiciest guy. He's not going to be a guy that's, that's, you know, he's not going to be flying off the edge and giving you, you know, um, great pass rush production. But I do see him as just a, a, a huge body that's going to fill gaps and just be a strong presence on the edge and, and give you good good reps while, you know, you hope that guys like Ojabo in the first round um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe a Josh Kando or some of these other guys kind of formulate around him and, and become better pass rushers. So, yeah, I, I like I like the thought of Alex Wright in a Chiefs uniform. Talon, four rounds in, we just did eight picks each. How are you feeling about your draft? Are you having any regrets about which positions went where? What are your thoughts uh, as we wrap here up? Man, um, I, I'm just going to go into this. I, I don't love it. I, I'll be honest. I don't love the way my draft looks, but the way the board fell, I think I did the best possible with with what I was put in front of me. Um, but I, I'm happy with 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 bringing Sam Williams in house. I'm happy with Christian Watson. Definitely Daxon Hill. Um, I, I think I have a lot of guys that are going to provide a lot of depth and a lot of good pieces for the Chiefs moving forward. So overall – um, I think, you know, at five years, this draft would look a lot better than it does, you know, in one month. The beauty of mock drafts is that we can start all over and just make another one. And then that's going to be the, that's going to be the thing, the town you're going to, your next mock draft is going to be the best one yet. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be on the pod. So too bad you're stuck with this one. No, I, I think, I think you did a pretty good job, uh, addressing every, all the needs. Um, I I'd say the same thing for me. I, I do think, you know, I, the receiver kind of position, you know, what I'd like to come away with more than Sky Moore and Alec Pierce, probably. Uh, I might have taken a risk taking taking Sky Moore. Uh, 
that high and maybe some of the over the some of the other guys available but I do like getting Jalen Petrie. I do like getting one of those top 50 safeties. I do think that's important. I love getting Ojabo. I know we talked about it, but I really do think – I just think it's so important for the Chiefs if he's there getting that first-round talent. And um, I will say, um, had we gone more than four, Iyoma Urazuruki will be a Chief. And that is my defensive line address. No, I, or defensive tackle uh, address because I did not address it on this mock. So I'm glad you mentioned that because a few of the seventh round mocks I did before we got started, before we did the one we went for the show. Yeah. My last pick was, I don't even want to, you said his name really well. I don't know how you did that. Um, the Iowa state, even say it again, say it again. I'm I'm not going to try again. I I can't talk what I did. (laughs) Just, just copy and paste. You sounded so fluent with it. I was like, Oh wow. He's been studying. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree though. The Iowa state defensive tackle, Iyoma, who was Eureka? I that was my best shot at it, but uh, no, I really like if if the Chiefs are maybe you know understand that Chris Jones, that really explosive three tech, is getting a little older. I think that's the guy that could really give you penetration from the three tech without the the cost. Uh, you know, like a Perion Winfrey could do a similar thing, but he might be a first round pick, which I think is a little expensive for him. Um, but yeah, I like you. I like the thought. He was he was my last pick in a few mocks too, so I love it. I love mock season. I love doing this. This will not be the last time you hear us on the AP Podcast Network talking about a mock draft. We may even do one on the AP Draft Room uh, within the next few episodes. Get our guy Brian in here. He's he's just a little more uh, caught up on the eve- on the week e- weeknight evening, so we don't get him for the mock drafts. But we'll get us all together, guys. I really appreciate you listening. Make sure you stay tuned to ArrowheadPride.com during this whole next month. We got so much to break down. We got player draft profiles coming out. Basically, almost daily on a daily basis from here moving forward. Um, we're always going to be breaking down whenever we hear about, uh, you know, Chiefs on visits. You know, we talked about James Houston, the fourth, um, uh, bringing in for a visit. The Chiefs are, they visit, you know, they had Devontae Wyatt in for a visit. So all that is being broken down on airheadpride.com. Make sure you're also listening to the AP Podcast Network. Stay tuned on the YouTube channel as well. We will be bringing you AP Film Rooms more and more, Meep Town and Brian. So, man, it is a fun time to be a football fan. We got a month till the draft. We're going to keep breaking it down for you. But for now, we're, we're, we're sending it off here. For Talon, I'm Ron. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you next time. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.